What's up, everybody? It's uh, your favorite cosmic duo. Back at it again. After a slight hiatus, um, Carlos was getting reconstructive surgery mm, on yeah. his undercarriage. And I'll let you kind of <laughs> piece that out for yourself, folks. Uh, yeah, but if he, you see me in person, I won't look exactly the same anymore. He'll be walking with a limp and uh, just, you know. Just be considerate. Of, I was just going to say like a reconstructive facial surgery, but... Nope. No. no I, nope. You went straight for the undercarriage. Let's just call it what it is. That's yeah. what I think. Um, but it's your favorite cosmic <laughs> duo back at it again. My name is Cameron Dorsey. This is Carlos Reyes. How you feeling, Carlos? Greeting. Yes, it is great to be back. Back in front of a microphone. Yes. Back uh, having you within arm's reach here in the... Good old uh, Carlos Studios. Yes, for the nice uh, occasional high five when we really say a good zinger and knock it out of the park. Um, this is the Blank Sutra podcast, folks. Uh, you know, remember that? I do. And we're back. Remember us. Remember yeah. us? I, I, first and foremost, I want to say thank you. I'm sure Carlos would second this. Thank you to all the people that have been so kind and supportive and nice whether it's in person or over text message. I know a, a, a man who is very near and dear to my heart and his family in um, Nevada are listening nice. to this, and he says he's looking forward to every episode that comes out. So all of you lovely, beautiful people out there who listen so attentively and kindly, thank you very much. You're the best. You guys rock. How do you feel about that, Carlos? How do you feel about being famous? Uh, I feel good being, I guess, locally famous it, in a way. It It's sort of a, like, especially with, like, the beginning of this uh, podcast venture and, you know, putting it out there and then having, like, friends of ours just, like, be listening to this. Uh, it, it really calms the nerves down of just, like, I guess, speaking. Yeah. You know, speaking, speaking in your mind. Open, openly, yeah. Yeah. In your mind. What you actually think. Yeah. We're not in front of a fancy stage, folks. We don't have, you know, fancy, you know, <laughs> Neumann microphones. We're just, you know, two dudes here with our sure mics in a studio here out in Tampa. And let that be proof positive that that's all you need to do a podcast. You don't, you don't need the um, SM7B with the cloud lift. And the sound-treated studio and, and the, the Mogami cables. And Mogami cables and them really sweet Sennheiser headphones. You don't need that shit. There's a lot of, it's so funny, there's a lot of podcasts that just goes with the same formula of we, we got to have this, we ha, we got to have this mic, we got to have that, we got to, and, and for them to not like use all of it or, I, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, for sure. No, I think, are you referring to the, to a friend of ours who was talking about a place that had purchased a lot of equipment to have a podcast or some there's yeah radio there's, show and hearing about just like sort of the waste there's there's some I guess there's really no need to like name drop but oh yeah it's, we ain't it's name good dropping. it's good that uh, we're using the functions of what we have with us yeah and you know we're not here to leave the straw as it is we're here to utilize what we have with us. Yep. Whether it's uh, through creative uh, outlets of music, mm -hmm. interpreting ideas, mm -hmm. and and even just uh, you know sharing uh, reading material that Absolutely. we've done over the week, yeah. And I mean, just to tie that up in a with a nice little bow, some of the best albums were cut with very minimal gear, in terms of like price, quality, quality, um, you know. You don't need a Blackbird studio to make something great. You just need you need the bare essentials and a pocket full of dreams. And there's uh, nothing better than that, honestly. I hope we we just do it in this room forever. Like this is, I feel so comfy in here. I wouldn't want to do it in some like highly AC doctor's office, fluorescent lighted, cold, cold and barren. Yeah, and you know asking each other really 
weird questions and shit. No, I like this hang style. And I think the guests that have been on so far like it too. Um, I've been hearing just like a lot of like great praise for just what we're doing here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just like the, just the naturalness of just conversing. Yeah. I wanted to start uh, just, I know it's been, it's been a minute. So uh, what's been new in Cameron's world as of, as of late? Man, let me say, um, well, you know, regular day-to-day stuff doesn't change that much, but, um, continuing to pursue positive habit changes in my life, you know, um, I've been working out pretty consistently at least like six days a week, uh, just moving my body, getting the blood move, moving, Adding on to that recently, like stretching, taking a good 30 Mm -hmm. minutes to stretch beforehand and even afterward, um, it really kind of, it makes the workout itself feel better to do before, especially after. Um, Getting back into meditation is a big thing. You know, I was up to, when I was doing it consistently, like 20 minutes at a time doing the Vedic meditation, just like repeating a mantra and and sort of letting your mind stop generating kind of little ravenous thoughts all the time. I'm trying to put it to a halt. Put it to a halt or at least stem the flow as best you can and, uh, you know, experience what it's like to just be, what it's like to be a squirrel sitting on a tree branch belly full of nuts you know not not a care in the world that's what i feel like most animals feel like that's what i'm trying to get to it's Mm. just a a place of peace and calm not that i have like a tumultuous brain as it is but it's just it's just nice to flip the switch every once in a while yeah um other than that musically I've decided, and I'm probably going to even talk to Carlos after the podcast about this, that uh, as opposed to putting out singles, I'm just going to like release a eight-song body of work just to kind of burn off all this excess, I don't know, to free up some space on my hard drive, for God's <laughs> sake, you know what I'm saying? And uh, make way for some new ideas, because I have new ideas, but they sound really different from the ones that I have already, like, sort of locked away in the vault that I haven't let out yet. And Carlos's hard work and dedication is always much appreciated. Um, so yeah, that, that trying to sleep more, waking up early, drinking lots of water. Um, just finding happiness in the small moments of life, essentially hosting open mics, trying to, you know, beef up my hosting skills. This is also a means to do that. It's very nice to do. Um, other than that, you know, just trying to live a life of peace and equanimity. How about you, Carlos? What you been up to, man? You've been uh, you've been clanging and banging. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, clanging and banging. What what sure. two great words to put into a sentence next to my name? No two truer words spoken about <laughs> Carlos Reyes. Uh, yeah, things have been pretty, pretty rad as of as of lately, as the past few months. Um, I feel like I haven't done like a, a a really standard update that I do like on my social media of just like, hey, this is how my year's been. Um, but. In, in in words that I often, like, see when it comes to people that are, you know, really creative or, you know, active professionals into their field, it's not always about just the glitz and glamour of what you put on your social media feed. Sometimes the miracles happen when uh, people are not around. When only God's watching, baby. Yeah. The stuff that they don't see. The stuff they don't see. There yeah. you go. Yeah, bro. That's That's a very good point. As soon as you, you said um, you feel a little guilt or anxious about not posting on social media and updating the world, I was just going to say the conclusion that you just came to that, like, you know, you don't got to. Like, you don't necessarily have to. It's just societally we've been conditioned to think that we have to because we see other people doing it and 
we've been really conditioned to feel like we have to keep this. Uh, if uh, if social media and I guess clout was an object, I would say it is like a like a tub, a plastic tub that has a hole, and the water in the tub is slowly but very rap you know rapidly losing the mm-hmm. the tub is losing water so you have to go back to the pool and get some more water but yeah. every time you just fill it up there's still a hole the hole is still going to be there and the water is still going to drain out i know we're getting into metaphor no, very no, no. soon i like it i like it but it's it. like it's I'm, always ongoing i'm trying to think of how to add to this metaphor okay so the water is the clout right the hole is the impending feeling of existential uh you know existentialism i guess just like crisis and dread of like oh my god nobody's hearing me nobody's seeing me that you have this you have this mark that just like sits with you uh psychologically yeah um and maybe those posts that you are like when you post your your ceviche dish at (laughs) (laughs) from your date over the weekend you're like using a like painter's tape over that hole at the bottom flex tape seal not even flex tape though I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, we wait where i'm going with this so like you're 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 putting on like painter's tape which is not like the most adhesive not at all you know and the worst keep filling it up with water keep filling it up with water that tape's gonna get real rickety after a while the yeah. more, it's very very water soluble yeah then boop it, the, the hole it still exists and it's still there yeah um so that being said, this metaphor again is going pretty deep, as Carlos said. But like, is it a matter of getting better tape, which is like more engaging content, more uh, call to action driven content, stuff like that, or is it a matter of just throwing the damn bucket away? Well, yeah. So this is gonna sneak into like a few of the books. Uh, I know we have the epic epictesis, the Enchiridion book mm. in mind. Epictetus. Epictetus. Yes. <laughs> it's all right. Titus. Epictetus. Yeah. I'm trying not to be a 14 year old with that name, but no. um, the other book, uh, which as we're as we're just talking about, you could just drop the bucket. It doesn't matter. Mm. It yes. kind of just reminds me of the Tao, uh, in a way of just you know, not having to go to war for, for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Just, just use the water in the bucket to water your plants. Lose more of a battle for something that you can't really control. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of been making a lot of sense, especially uh, when I passively talk about this with some of my friends and, you know, just been sharing them Spotify or YouTube links. Mm -hmm. Cause this stuff has, is already like, uh, I guess it's like public domain at a certain point. Yep. I know the, that Pictetus one is is public domain. That's about as public domain as it gets. Yeah, probably. these mother these motherfuckers were like wearing robes. So it's information you shirt. can you can get like yeah. anywhere. If you can't find the book that we're talking about, you can easily just find it on YouTube or Spotify, so, and just you know put some headphones on, listen to it while you're going to work. Absolutely. Um, yeah, especially from all my Audible cats out there, like uh, lovely. Boys and girls, if you pay for a membership, um, you can you can little little broke boy hack here. You can type in in the search bar like included in my membership, and they have a lot of just like classics. Like they have War and Peace, which is like sixty hours, and like the Grapes of Wrath, which is another big ass book. They got the uh, Brothers Karamazov uh, by uh, uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky. Great, great author. Um, I read Crime and Punishment a year ago. It's very good. Uh, that dude has a way with words. Um, I, On top of the books that we're going to talk about today, I also want to talk about a fiction book that I believe I've talked about on here before, but just because I've been reading passages on it, I've uh I want to bring it back up. But uh Carlos, you've been dipping into the Enchiridion by Epictetus. Uh you've been double triple dipping on this this magical little book. 
Yeah. Um, it's 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 lovely little tiny it's book. It's really fifty one minutes. Yeah, guys. it ain't nothing. So I'm I'm saying this to all all my friends out there. It's it's really simple. Just pop it in before you go to work or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I've been double dipping a little bit just because I like to re-listen to stuff. Um, man, the, the the people that do these audiobooks, they they have a really good knack for uh, carrying out like sort of like a vision of what it would feel like if Epictetus was, you know telling me the shit what do you mean by that <laughs> just has like a very good voice for uh like i'm like i'm being told something mm-hmm. but i'm not being lectured or bombarded and so when i hear the the words come out from like some of the chapters yeah it sort of reminds me of that so it feels more conversational in nature you would say Con- conversational where i'm quiet the listener's quiet they're just like okay Mm. I'm 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 being told from like a professor, like a wise uncle. Yeah, it has a very uh, wise wording. Okay, to it. Could you share a little bit of the background? Because I believe, if I remember correctly, with Epictetus, um, he, he was born into or as a slave in mm. the Roman. I forgot which empire, but during N- Nero's empire. Yep. Um, but a lot of the stuff was never really like actually written down. It was more so from his pupil. Yeah. Um, so like just overview, um, I'm going to mess up the emperors who were in place at the time, but the three biggest figures in stoicism or the, to me are, um, Seneca, Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus. Mm-hmm. And I think what, like lends credence to the how sound stoicism is as a philosophy is that um just those three figures backgrounds so like seneca i believe was a politician um pretty relatively high-ranking politician you had marcus aurelius who was literally the emperor of rome so many governors and magistrates working under him um the last truly mentally sound emperor of Rome, let's be honest. The dude was a a true philosopher king. And then thirdly, you have Epictetus, who, yes, you're right, Carlos, was a slave. Like, born into slavery, lived the majority of his pre-adolescent, adolescent, and good portion of his adult life as a slave. Um... The fact that there's some there's a dis, like such a disparity between the quote on like like the quality of life of these three, but they still had the same central mission statement as humans is what to me makes it makes stoicism a sound philosophy um, and worth looking into because I don't know it it's pretty big. It, people look at Marcus Aurelius and they're like, well, that dude was just an emperor. Like, he, he had everything. He could literally have anybody killed. He could have any woman he wanted. He could make anything happen under the sun. Um, so, of course, you know, he's all high and mighty on himself. Not knowing that the meditations themselves, which is his, you know, the work that's most attributed to him, are his diary entries from his time as a Roman emperor. And if you read it with that context or listen to it, you know, in the modern case, yeah, it really makes you see he's just trying to not be a dick. Like, he's just trying to not be a tyrant. And the fact that he took a lot of the decadence, unnecessary, erroneous decadence out of the Roman Empire and redistributed the wealth and um tax tax collection into you know um works for the public for the people um it it shines through that he would do that through his meditations he never meant for anybody to read his diary like who means for that nobody does but isn't it crazy that you crack open his diary and he's not talking about like, oh, I saw this girl down by the river the other day. She had a like, you know, like he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't saying like, man, I want to get trashed tonight. He was like 
Remember your father, who was a good man, and remember your mother, who showed yeah. you kindness. And if somebody makes you mad, realize that they are a complicated person just like you. And, you know... The Roman Emperor's sticky notes. The, yeah, the, 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 the conscious reminders to not be a douchebag, essentially. Um, Epictetus, on the other hand, the fact that he kept such a um, clear and sound mind under the conditions he was in, like there's a, there's a, I believe it's a myth. I don't know if it couldn't be, can be substantiated. But when he was um, a slave under whoever he was a slave to, there was a, a time when he showed disobedience, I guess, or when he talked back against the massa and the his master like freaking broke his leg and was like like permanently disfigured him. And it it was through twisting, like twisted his leg. And he wanted to punish Epictetus because he didn't do something, I guess began to twist his leg and Epictetus, I mean, the myth goes that he's like, hey, if you keep twisting my leg, you're going to break it. And the, and the master's like, well, you got to learn. So he twists it, breaks it. And Epictetus is like, man, you broke my leg, but I still think the same way that I do before. Like you didn't change my opinions. You broke something on my physical body, but you didn't break my spirit essentially. And that's why, um, I don't know. It's kind of, kind of a scary philosophy if you can build such fortitude and self-sovereignty and still choose to commune with the world um because a big portion of it is not just isolating yourself and ruminating and thinking and being like oh i don't want to talk to those heathens out there it's about like being so self-accountable and checking yourself so much and then being an example of virtue. They're, in all three of their works, they talk about the virtuous man. They talk about the respectful, humble, kind, patient person that is ideal. And like, I don't know. If you can, if you can be an example of that to the people you come in contact day to day, that is success as a stoic practitioner, a quick, practitioner of stoicism. Quick question on that. Um, and this could be a good question in the background. Um, I know your dad is a firefighter mm -hmm. over in St. Pete. Um, the stoicism, it seems like something that'd be really good to be included, or I guess is already conversed about when it goes, comes to people that work, front lines like uh mm. being a firefighter uh being a police officer it seems like one of the things that i remember and i'm just like screaming through some of it on my ipad where it's like you don't really want to be tied to the affairs the worry that's that's being like upon you like something really un unfortunate in your life is and yeah like you just mentioned to check yourself mm -hmm. you don't want to just you know become so thrown into what is happening that you forget the the main objective the main goals here yeah, yeah. My, my my father is uh my father is probably the best man i've ever met in my entire life uh easily is the what am i talking about is the best man uh, i've ever met in my life because you know he kept me from wild animals when i was a child and you know made sure i was well fed and provided for but um I remember there was a there was a day when I was riding with him uh to a hardware store. Uh and we were going to go get some supplies for a home project that he was doing. It was just me and him in the truck listening to the radio. And I don't know how old I was, probably like 13 or 14 and I I asked him it just occurred to me to ask like what are like some of the things that you've seen? on the job because as you said like it gets nasty out there you you are seeing people in their most indecent uh and 
He told me some stories that I will not recount here because they're incredibly personal, I'm, I'm sure, to him, and I want to respect him. But it made me realize just what you're saying, that um, whether he knows it or not, he is a stoic philosopher uh, in practice mm. because I never saw any of what would traumatize a human with a pulse and blood in their veins. I, I, I never saw that come out in how he treated me and my sister and how he disciplined us or how he talked to my mother. He, he truly is a man's man and a, a big inspiration to me in that regard. So whether he knows it or not, he's a half a Marcus Aurelius himself, you know? Um, but I do agree with you. I think it's very important because... Um, there's a section in meditations that I don't have, you know, on me right now, but where Marcus Aurelius is basically talking about the beauty in all things. And he starts with things that are obviously beautiful, mm. you know, flowers blooming, um, children being born, sunsets, all those things. But then he goes to like, what about the lion's, you know, blood-soaked fur? What about the boar's foaming mouth as it drinks to water? You think of these as unpleasant, but they are still a part of the fabric that makes up existence, which ultimately, after the equal sign of the equation, all is good, all is beautiful, it's gorgeous beyond comprehension. And, you know, I'm not saying that will take away any trauma or any mental scarring in the moment that it, that it happens. But, uh, uh, like, serving your purpose and doing your duty mm -hmm. as a man who is appointed to the task they are appointed to, that is, you know, top three most important things, Yeah, I'd say, in Stoic philosophy. You sort of don't let the world get to get to you or like the emotions of it you, yeah and that's where the negative connotation of stoicism mm -hmm. can come in if they, it's said like he's a stoic man he's like emotionless and he's just like a brick a wall yeah like a like a robot exactly oh yeah and that's not that's not it at all i feel like it's about some like like a spiritual energetic transmutation that happens internally yeah where you assess the goings-on as beautiful even or horrific as they may be and you transform them from base metal into gold within yourself by remembering that you are just a small fragment mm. and you are a cog in the machine you know i think i I feels like I I sort of I experienced that ongoing, the the opposite of it, the the freaking out. Okay. I I see it at work sometimes. It feels okay. Is, where, there, is there anything you can legally um, talk about? Legally talk about. Uh, I I will say just as like basic expression, like if I am at a show and I'm trying to get, like, a band going, or maybe I'm helping out, like, a group, and they're having, like, a really important, you know, board of directors meeting. Nothing can be screwed up here. Yeah. And then something just doesn't seem like it's working right, or it's like, whoa, wait a second, this this wasn't training. Then, yeah, a little bit of that freak out would occur in that party, where uh, maybe it's the, a coordinator, or maybe it's uh, one a, a band member or something. What they'll see it as just like, whoa, what's what's going on? And in most this mostly sh happens in a lot of like the corporate sense. Mm -hmm. And and so as like a technician or, you know, IT support, mm -hmm. we kind of see it all the time where we're just like really like, okay, uh, we, we know what to do. We know what to assess. So it's, it's so, so you don't feel that it you, you get a secondhand version of that ever of that? Uh, it's just that you've seen it so much and you know what the what you know the solution is that you don't have to like really like be freaking out yeah yeah I mean yeah when you're dealing with like a, a white collar 
I could be person. I could be saying this from like our perspective a lot, which yes, is true. I'm sure on in someone else's perspective, it'd be like you're making me look bad right now. We need this problem fixed yesterday, Carlos. Yeah, yeah, no, sort you're of shit. Yeah, but like those, you take yourself too seriously. Life is. A it, pain, it's kind right? of like you're in front of like the the court, the high court, mm-hmm. and something is interrupting. Let that man come through and you know fix whatever. It, it yeah, all eyes are on you. You're the town shaman who's coming in and uh, assessing the damage. It's so funny, yeah, because w- one of these ladies like said, "Okay, all eyes on you now." It's like, all right, it's just. Like, I know what's wrong with it. It's the computer. Yeah, maybe if you watch, you can fix it yourself next time. <laughs> so I would just kindly be <laughs> like, yeah. Um, might have to just move you guys somewhere else. Oh, yeah. And, it, and that's it. So it's like there's no, like, f- you know, feeling of uh, worriedness. It, and it's something that we kind of all get, like, e- even getting, like, a new job. There's yeah. a little bit of that. I mean, it's it's the element of chaos is necessary, though, I would say um and everything from like art to daily life because you know necessity is the mother of invention and uh you gotta kind of experience a rough friction yeah to make the fire that is a new discovery or um uh, an easier pathway to the solution that you're trying yeah you're striving for yep and yeah, you are you are a troubleshooter, Reyes. Um, when you're on the clock, and I'm sure they very much appreciate you. I know I do. I know I do, man. Um, but you had an excerpt that you that you were looking at. I see over there. Your face is <laughs> being illuminated by the iPad. Yeah. So here's one. There's like a. This is a bit earlier. I'm not going to go off of the, I'm going to try to not make it sound like it's super old English. No, please do. Give me your best Shakespearean uh, tone. Okay, so from the Enchiridion. If you ever happen to turn your attention to externals for the pleasure of anyone, be assured that you have ruined your scheme of life. Be content. Than in everything with being a philosopher. And if you wish to seem so likewise to anyone, appear so to yourself and it will suffice you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's, that's echoed with uh, Marcus Aurelius in Meditations where he's saying, you know, quit thinking about the good man and just be the good man, you know, just like, okay, let me hit you with a quote then Carlos. Cause I, I think it's along the same lines. So this is from meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Do not disturb yourself by picturing your life as a whole. Do not assemble in your mind the many and varied troubles which have come to you in the past and will come again in the future. But ask yourself with regard to every present difficulty, what is there in this that is unbearable and beyond endurance? You wouldn't be ashamed to confess it, or you would be ashamed to confess it. And then remind yourself that it's not the future or what is past that afflicts you, but always the present. And the power of this is much diminished if you take it in isolation and call your mind to task, if it thinks that it cannot stand up to it, when taken on its own. So like any, any, any instance you're in, whether it's, you know, you're up, Carlos, you know, those moments are like, hey man, what's up with the bass? I'm not hearing the bass. Mm -hmm. You can... In those moments where the the heart rate is increased, you're like, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, or some part of you is asking yourself, is this truly unbearable? You're right. Am am I unfit to do this? And if you answer in the affirmative, you would be ashamed of yourself. Like, you'd be like, 
You, you wouldn't outwardly say, I can't do this. Is this worth getting... <laughs> is, this, is this worth risking my life? Exactly. Over? Something, something to that crazy extent. Yeah, is, is this worth losing my... My... My freaking brain over? And oftentimes it is not. It, it is not worth any of that. Because... You know, life throws you curveballs. There are peaks and valleys. And the only thing you can control is your emotions and your actions and how you treat people. There was another one I was going to look up over here. It's actually a bit earlier from the same book. And this is one that kind of like confused me. So I'd like to also hear Cameron's... uh, response to this one here one second so this is uh i think i remember it's like 20s Six? No, that's ten, six. So, X chapter ten, verse six. Yeah, X X six. X. Oh, you're at Roman numerals. X yeah. six. That is sixteen. Six, sixteen. Yeah. Sixteen. Okay. <clears throat> when you see anyone weeping for grief, either that his son has gone abroad, or that he has suffered in his affairs. Take care not to be overcome by the apparent evil, but discriminate and be ready to say, what hurts this man is not this occurrence itself, for another man might not be hurt by it, but the view he chooses to take of it. As far as conversation goes, however, do not disdain to accommodate yourself to him, and if he needs to be to groan with him, Take heed, however, not to groan inwardly, too. Mm. Preach, Epictetus, preach, brother. Mm. I I heard this in, a, I guess, a simplified way. This is just like the word for word. But it kind of goes back to the same, you know, school here of not having shit like take over your mind. You're, yeah, you not know, having it damage your physiology. The the words here sound like, in, in some of these translations, they, they sound like, oh, wow. So don't be mad that your child got killed in, in this, <laughs> in this uh, yeah. antiquity war. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> child death was way more prevalent back in Rome, let me tell you. Yeah. But, nah, I, I think what's being communicated there is, you know, it's saying that ba- basically main main idea is like have empathy for your ailing comrade for your fellow human being but there is a necessary um separation between your inner state and your emotional well-being and their calamity or catastrophe um and I, I, I kind of want to tack on to that. Epictetus probably wasn't communicating this specifically, um, but I found it prevalent in my life, and a, a big change that I've made in myself is, um, they say when people come to you with a with a problem, and or they're going through a rough time, and like, say I, w- I were to come to you, Carlos, and be like, dude. I'm having a rough go of it, of life, you know? It's more generous for you to empathically listen than to he- listen and hear and then come back with like, oh, we'll just do this, do this, do that, do that, you know? Like, give me pointers yeah, on how to get myself out of the situation. Um it's it's way better just to hold space for the person who is going through it and for them to have a sounding board to bounce 
yeah what's going in what's going on inside of them off of it it you can that that's a big thing about like cognitive behavioral therapy the that school of psychology a lot of it is just them sitting down and listening to you mm-hmm. and them asking maybe leading questions every now and then to keep you going deeper and then finding the and then baby basically like training wheels on a bike that bike is getting you to the root of the problem yeah the it's digging closer exactly the psychologist is the training wheels and they're just trying to keep you from busting your ass on the street and that's very very important in interpersonal relationships because i have in the past being a younger and more you know masculine energy driven man not to say that i'm not now but like when you hear a problem as a as a man you want to fix it but honey off- get the tool belt <laughs> exactly like yeah just give me my give me my uh my flat uh, my flathead screwdriver and i'll fix this right here up you know like no sometimes it's just how did that make you feel and i'm 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 sorry to hear that yeah uh, like how 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 are you feeling inside right now that sort of thing and then you know asking questions going deeper holding a space for that person to fully express the pain mm-hmm. is much more worthwhile yeah uh, like yeah that's right oftentimes that's all that that is needed mm-hmm. um so yeah i i fully agree with that pictetus and um along the lines of catastrophe and loss um another part from the enchiridion that i liked a lot and to kind of second your point carlos sounds pretty rough in the in like a modern mm-hmm. sense you know some of those verses are like damn like yikes you you just kind of what the hell like like you, you gotta process that shit brother but like there's one part where it's like you know did your wife leave you did your child die don't think of it as though this like like don't think of this as somebody has taken your possession think of it as you have returned them Mm -hmm. you were gifted this the these memories these moments with this person and they were beautiful and they were sweet and they'll never die the memories will never die but the physical reality of that person or that job or that material possession that you no longer have it's being returned to the giver you you were you were you were given it for a period to steward it as best you can and hopefully you did a good job mm-hmm. you know but there is a time for everything you know a time to be born a time to live and a time to die uh the only constant is change so in that spirit understand that it is just the unfolding it's the natural unfolding and thusly just give it back to it to your to the giver and after a while you can probably do so with a smile on your face hopefully hopefully you know um but it's rough it is it's hard life is life is not always super easy yeah and there is a lot of change and loss and but there's also joy and absolute states of bliss but each of those create your experience and who you are and the people in your life that care about you and love you love you because of those things like love you because of those instances that give you the proclivity to act a certain way whether those instances were like bad or good and whether they know about it know about them or not like i'm I'm referring to traumas um but you know it's all uh grist for the mill as spiritual teachers say you know it's all it's all part of the plan um 
I have another Marcus Aurelius quote here that I want to get your idea on, and it's one of the, um, oh, well, I mean, to, t- to put a bow on that, that last little point, Marcus Aurelius says, receive without conceit, release without struggle. It's the same thing, like, receive whatever it is without being boastful about it mm-hmm. and release it without belly aching about it you know but uh the most famous marcus aurelius quote i'd i'd say for meditations uh a lot of like the hustle culture grind set sigma male playbook kind of fellas out there quote this and it is um in the morning when thou risest unwillingly let this thought be present i am rising to the work of a human being why then am I dissatisfied if I am going to do the things for which I exist and for which I was brought into the world? What do you think about that? Can I see it? Yeah. It's it's like real Shakespearean, but it's the last oh, yeah. it's the last quote. Basically saying like when you rise when you when you wake in the morning, I, I thought it was included in the quote, but it's not. It's like why is is life about staying under the covers and being warm and comfy? Like do you think birds yeah. sleep in? It's kind of uh not like a not like simulation theory, but it's, when it mentions about like being a human being. It, it sort of puts that into mind, like I'm getting out of bed to put on this uh, imaginary suit of like, okay, time to be Cameron. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. Time to get my kawa coffee, and you know, yeah. other other errands in the morning, something like that. Absolutely, um, it's about yeah. It's this is all kind of circling around the same central point. But like, yeah, you are appointed and called to your role and you must play it. Like, what notion do you have not to perform? Like, what is giving you the notion that, like, oh, this is hard, you know, is is it your body? Is it your emotions? This kind of plays into, like, discipline and consistency. Yeah. And it's this any stoic philosopher is going to have great quotes that'll stoke the fire of your discipline or give you that extra like dopamine hit of serotonin or dopamine. What am I talking about? That extra dopamine hit of motivation in those moments where it's just like basically saying, get your bitch ass up and live your life. You know, don't, where did you get this idea that? it's supposed to be easy that you're supposed to be somewhere else doing something else. Like you're here now, do what you're doing now and, and do it the best you can. So yeah, stoicism's great. Speaking about, uh, pathways and it not always being like an easy shortcut. Uh, this is now in coming from the Tao. There is a, a, a section talking about where, you know, those that, think it's uh easy i believe is like we'll take the we'll find the shortcuts but when but there really isn't no shortcuts for the way i believe it's that. like it's not supposed to be easy no yeah no because it's like it's not about the destination it's about the journey it's that sort of like mindset it's the struggle is what makes you who you are I was just saying this two seconds ago. But yeah, like, you must endure in life. And you must try hard as you can. Um, I think Shakespeare put something like that together where it's like, life is a theater. And we're just like actors in it. Yes, life is a play. Something like that. 
life is a play Something like that so it's like a production and we're we're just we're the actors playing our role we are merely players all the world's a stage and we are merely players yeah yeah there we go sorry shakespeare the world's the stage yeah and and that's all right that's all right um play your part you know and and uh smile while you're doing it and if you're not smiling now find out a way to smile while you're doing it find the joy in it find the joy in the bad and the good um stoicism is great i also want to shed a little light while we still got some time left on the pod to uh talk about another book that's kind of come back into my reading material uh just because and i i'm it's gonna be a bummer if somebody got this far on the podcast thank you very much but I do believe I've brought this up before, but I'm going to bring it up again because it's our podcast and I can do whatever I want. It's only like the ninth episode. So the hardcore fans are hardcore fans are like, go ahead, Cam. So, um, the, uh, the book blood Meridian. Oh yeah. A, uh, a lovely, a lovely YouTuber by the name of Wendigoon, who I, I love very much. He's a very talented young man, very talented presenter, very smart, great hair, great hair great hair dude and uh just got engaged too like god bless that man he's a, he's a cool guy uh but he did like a five hour video on blood meridian counting recounting like the entire most important plot points um and that just reinvigorated my love of that book because I, I i first read it when i was like 18 and it flew over my head like a damn like a bird son like i couldn't even see what it was talking about but i pushed through and i finished it not knowing what the hell had happened the entire time <laughs> um but it's a book uh written by cormac mccarthy who i believe is probably the last truly amazing good living american author uh somebody out there is probably like shaking their fist at their phone right now but he whoever your favorite author is he beats his ass or her ass handily the man has such a way with words that it's insane um the basic uh gist of the book is you are following a nameless other than uh designation of the kid for the majority of the book you're following this character as he leaves his home in tennessee um, being dissatisfied with his life, living with a drunk father and a sister that he barely knows, and travels out west to acquire fortune, but doesn't know he's going to do that. Initially, he's just aimlessly wandering, trying to search for purpose. The hero's journey. And while the hero's journey is displayed in many other works of fiction in a very positive and you know somewhat treacherous yeah. but still with a real good happy ending this is not that book this book follows this boy as he travels west um initially joins up with an army brigade who all get slaughtered before his eyes by comanche indians um Man, if I had the excerpt of that loaded up, I'd read it right now. But like, damn, the, vi the, the violence in this book is incredibly brutal. Like, it's probably the most violent book I've ever read in my life. Um, and I've read some violent books, Carlos. Um, I'm looking at the book. It just looks like a very... Uh, looks pleasant. It looks like, yeah, I thought it was like Eckhart Tolle for a second. Yeah, no, not, not that at all, brother. Um but it's he 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 joins the army brigade and they get just slaughtered by indians and he he barely escapes by the skin of his teeth and he falls in with uh eventually falls in with a gang of scalp hunters mm -hmm. uh in the wild west and that makes it so he's at first, there is some regiment and there is some order to what he's doing. 
but then after that um it just de- devolves into mindless violence and nonsense uh a big group of dudes from different parts of life uh different walks of life coming together uh to kill a bunch of brown people honestly and and collect their scalps for money oh history yeah it's it's bleak it's a bleak look at actual history and it's based on a real group of scalp hunters Um, shit yeah i know right uh it took the dude 15 years to write this book uh through research going to the places that they went to um but the most interesting part about the book hands down is the main quote-unquote antagonist because everybody in the group is an antagonist like they're all crazy blood crazed buffoons you know but the the barring the the narrator because he is basically eyes for the book he's he's the perspective through which you're witnessing the action he has dialogue but it's very neutral i'd say um but the most enthralling character is the antagonist his name is judge holden He's um, a seven-foot-tall, 300-pound, hairless, nearly albino, small-handed man who knows any language you speak to him in. He can play the fiddle very well. He can dance very well. He can do anything you would want him to do, essentially. It's like the singularity. He... Over the course of the book, enough creepy stuff happens to where you realize, like, oh, this guy is, like, the Antichrist. Yeah, not human at all. Not human. Not at all. Yeah, like, you, you were sharing this before, and I remember putting the images in my head yeah. of, like, what this would feel like in a, in a movie sense. They could not make this into a movie. <laughs> it is way too violent. Like, there's just unspeakable violence in this book. But... um. I just wanted to read an excerpt from the book because Cormac McCarthy is a great author and he has such a way with words that, you know, it's my podcast. I can, I can read what I want to read. Uh, but it's basically this part is where they're all sitting around a fire and the judge is talking about war uh, because, well, you'll see his opinions on war, but... Uh, he makes somewhat of a convincing argument within the confines of the story. Um, so uh, the judge cracked with the back of an axe the shin bone of an antelope, and the hot marrow dripped smoking on the stones. They watched him. The subject was war. The good book says that he that lives by the sword shall perish by the sword, said the black. The judge smiled, his face shining with grease. What right man would have it any other way, he said. The good book does indeed count war and evil, said Irving, yet there's many a bloody tale of war inside it. It makes no difference what men think of war, said the judge. War endures. As well ask men what they think of stone. War was always here. Before man was, war waited for him. The ultimate trade awaiting its ultimate practitioner. Mm. That is the way it was and will be. That way and not some other way. It turned to Brown, from whom he'd heard some whisper, slur or demure. Ah, Davy, the judge said. It's your own trade we honor here. Why not rather take a small bow? Let each acknowledge each. My trade? Certainly. What's my trade? War. War is your trade, is it not? Ain't it yours? Mine too, very much so. What about all them notebooks and bones and stuff you got? All other trades are contained in that of war. Is that why war endures? No. It endures because young men love it and old men love it in them. Those that fought, those that did not. That's your notion. The judge smiled. Men are born for games, nothing else. Every child knows that play is nobler than work. He knows, too, that the worth or merit of a game is not inherent in the game itself, but rather in the value of that which is put at hazard. Games of chance require a wager to have any meaning at all. Games of sport 
involve the skill and strength of the opponents and the humiliation of defeat and the pride of victory are in themselves sufficient stake because they inhere in the worth of the principles and define them. But trial of chance or trial of worth, all game, all games aspire to the condition of war. For here, that which is wagered swallows up game, player, all. Suppose two men play at cards, with nothing to wager save their lives. Who has not heard such a tale? A turn of the card, the whole universe for such a player has labored clanking to this moment, which will tell if he is to die to that man's hand or that man at his. What more certain validation of a man's worth could there be? This enhancement of the game to its ultimate state admits no argument concerning the notion of fate. The selection of one man over another is a preference, absolute and irrevocable, and it is a dull man indeed who could reckon so profound a decision without agency or sufficient or sufficiency either one. In such games as have their stake, the annihilation of the defeated, the decisions are quite clear. This man holding this particular arrangements of cards in his hand is thereby removed from existence. This is the nature of war, whose stake is at once the game and the authority and the justification. Seen so, war is the truest form of divination. It is the testing of one's will and the will of another. Hmm. Let me run that again. It is the testing of one's will and the will of another within that larger will, which will, because it binds them, is therefore forced to select. War is the ultimate game because war is at last a forcing entity. Mm. <laughs> One more time. War is the ultimate game because war is at last a forcing of the unity of existence. War is God. So, yeah. I mean, take from that what you will. It's, it's very pro poetic prose, but essentially the whole book, the whole book's mission statement and antagonist is wrapped up in that excerpt and he goes on, but I don't want to bore y'all. Um, it's a very good book. There's a lot of twists and turns. I will not spoil the ending, but it's probably one of the best endings I've ever read upon having to reread it because it was just kind of difficult to understand when I was so young. But um, that's just Cammie's book recommendation for the for the podcast episode. I'm rereading it again because every time I read it, I, I, I get something new from it. And Cormac McCarthy's other books are really good too. Like yeah. The, like The Road and um, No Country for Old Men and All the Pretty Horses. That dude is seriously the best author alive right now hate to say it just got his two new books too um he's like 90 years old oh shit i know right can i see the back cover yeah for sure that's him that's him um yeah he's he's this guy's seen some shit <laughs> it looks like it don't it it's um, just cormac mccarthy in his living room just kind of like looking off away from the camera just like looking like he's reliving some serious trauma uh in yeah, his life yeah. you know you can see it in his face um but uh carlos did you have any anything else you wanted to say uh so winding things down here um we're we're all really gracious for those that have made it this far uh listening to episode nine mm -hmm. um we've been tough at work in the back in the background in the trenches not only building our our own empires but also building this one here uh we will be having another video song out to you guys very soon mm -hmm. with the the one great uh jordan esker oh yeah one that of one's the, coming up the inaugural guest of the the blank sutra so we got to do him some justice with this one i have a a light edit of the first half of it, but I, I want to start putting in some like pictures and image automation so that it like, you know, looks all high quality. Oh, 
still learning this video editing. Um, DaVinci Resolve. Yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, still learning this video editing medium. And uh, I thank you all for your patience and understanding with me and Carlos as we uh, continue to bring you pulse-poundingly good content. Um, and yeah, so much art in the works, so many good things in the works. We got a lot of really good guests lined up, um, some local heroes. Mm -hmm. um, I've had a few people inquire about coming on, uh, and I don't want to name drop as to not jinx anything. But just be excited, because me... I, be prepared. I, be prepared. I mean, our most uh, well-received episodes are the ones where we have our buddies come on and we just talk loose. Um, although I, I love these where I can just talk to Carlos, because this all started from us, me coming over here to like record my music or get it mixed by Carlos and see what he was doing. But before we got to work, we would just talk for like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why don't we just record this and make this like a show? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> why not? Why, why not? So um, you are witnessing uh, and listening to the makings of a, of a truly great empire and one that's born of just ease. Yeah. And those uh, that are following us, uh, you guys, pretty sure you guys know our email. It's theblanksutra at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. If you have any ideas, questions, feel free to, you know, spam it away. Spam Absolutely. it with good stuff, not, you know, other crap. Yeah, I mean, say what's on your heart. If you have constructive criticism, we are always open. But if you're just going to call us, like, stupid or, like, stupid poo-poo heads or some shit, like, quit. Um, quit while you're ahead, my boy or girl. Uh all regardless we love you and um as like the the blessing this episode i had a i had a quote from c.s lewis if you don't mind my reading carlos i love c.s lewis yeah c.s lewis is awesome um so c.s my boy says imagine yourself as a living house god comes in to rebuild that house at first perhaps you can understand what he's doing He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a few different house. Shit. The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting up an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come in and live in it himself. So, God bless you folks. We love you very much. This is the Blank Sutra Podcast. I'm Cameron with my... Uh, lovely compatriot Carlos Reyes. Have a lovely evening.